Welcome to the Cork Creative Podcast. With this podcast, we hope to promote creative people and businesses in Cork. To learn more about the podcast, visit corkcreative.ie. Flux Learning is a company fueled by caffeine. We take our coffee seriously. So for our fourth series, we took the opportunity to broaden our knowledge and learn some insights into the coffee roasting industry in Cork City and County. I am your host, Geraldine Hennessy, and today I am joined by John Boyle and Tom Edwards from Stone Valley Coffee Roasters. In 2017, musicians John and Tom decided to put their stamp on the world of speciality coffee. Having been baristas, roasters and victims of instant coffee, they understand how important great coffee is to your day. Stone Valley is all about top-grade speciality coffee without the fuss. In 2018, they opened their first bricks and mortar shop in Ash Street in Clankilty and their business continues to flourish. In this episode, we discuss their self-taught roasting journey, their desire to lighten up the speciality coffee industry whilst ensuring a high-quality product, and their customer-focused approach to their business. So you're very welcome to Cork Creative, Tom and John. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So can you tell us a little about how the name and brand came about? So initially, Tom and I were uh, working as uh, musicians. We were on our way to a gig and we kind of felt like maybe we were looking for something else to do on top of what we were doing. And so Tom at the time was working as a barista and I was very into coffee at home. And so he was working for another roastery as a barista, but there wasn't really a route there to train up as a roaster. So we just kind of said on the way to a gig in Carlo, look, will we buy a small roaster and, you know, start there? And so we did. So at the time, Tom was living, um, what was the area called? Uh, Mount Pleasant. Mount Pleasant. So it's kind of between, yeah, Bandon and kind of McCroom, sort of that sort Mm -hmm. of area. And there was, you know, it was a beautiful house. It was like a half door and all this kind of stuff. But there was a couple of old stone sheds there. And so... Very old. Like very, like very old, like, you know, 200 years old. <laughs> okay. And um, so we said, look, we'd order a roaster and we'll set up in there. And it was also in a valley. So stone sheds in a valley. And, you know, so like it, it's quite literal, but also, you know, I suppose we were kind of conscious day one that we didn't want something that ties us too much into any specific thing. Okay. You know what I mean? Because we didn't exactly know what was going to happen. We knew no. we wanted to roast coffee, no. but it was kind of a... A name that means very little. <laughs> and that's, and I mean, you know, I think it's okay. You know, I think it's okay. You know, like, because we went through a few options of, you know, various kind of puns about this bean and that, you know, and, mm. and we're like, no, we don't want to do yeah, that kind of thing. Be um, you know, not trying to be, you know, clever or, you know, sometimes you can do it, you know, based on some obscure variety of coffee. Mm. And so we didn't want that kind of thing. So mm. we said, like, Stone Valley, there's a, a reason behind it, but... Not a particularly okay. inside. <laughs> it's not the most romantic. And, you know, like the shed itself. Um, well, I mean, it was a great start. How long were we roasting there for? Oh, can you remember? A year and a half? Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, it wasn't a great uh, place to work. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, it was, you know. Old. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it got us going, but it was, my God, it was cold. Yeah. yeah, yeah it was yeah, very cold yeah. in there. So, yeah, the roaster arrived. So, I mean, like you could have put it on the table. Mm-hmm. in front of us and we used to get 800 grams of coffee out from every batch mm-hmm. yeah so it was really kind of starting from scratch you okay. know there was a little bit of growth there i mean we got our mm-hmm. second roaster mm-hmm. oh yeah there, that's true actually, which yeah. was quite fun trying yeah. to get that in there uh, it's funny yeah there's you know it was a big or it was much bigger than yeah. what yeah. our first one was okay. and when you think back to just trying to get it in there the delivery yeah. guy with his massive truck and we were on this yeah. 
big incline oh, and gosh. it was oh and like it's funny we look back and as i said now i mean at this point so tom had done a little bit of work in a roastery but just packing bags and you know working as a brister for them in markets and things but you know we had never really been to another roastery and learned how they work and so you look back on on some of the things we did like that when that second roaster right the bigger one we we left it sitting on two pallets for a year because in our heads i don't know why it was almost like well we're going to be moving this again yeah. so let's just keep yeah. it on the pallets and it but they, like it was vibrating and, and shaking and yeah it was terrible it made no sense no. and you know you look back and you're like why do we and, you know when we got our subsequent roaster the one we're using now you yeah. know, we got it with wheels <laughs> <laughs> it was like there we are it's a there learning curve though isn't it it's a learning curve you, you'll never do that again yeah like so yeah when that when that arrived in our current place you know with a big roller door and you know it came off the thing and we rolled it in we're like well that was easy <laughs> you know so it was quite a uh, yeah, quite a change from the uh, from the first, first one. But, but it was great because you know there was so much to learn and, and i mean i i don't i don't roast coffee myself that's tom but you know getting good at it is about how many batches you do mm-hmm. so you know if we bought a massive roaster day one you know, we could have done one batch a week, mm-hmm. whereas with the small one, it, you know, we might have to do 10 or 20 or 30. And so mm-hmm. it meant that, you know, Tom built up this massive kind of well of experience mm-hmm. by doing it loads of times yeah. Right? Yeah. rather than just, exactly. you know, I was yeah. able to make tiny changes here and there, mm-hmm. put them aside or a sample aside, try it out. But it, yeah, it was definitely great in that sense. Yeah. At the same time, it was a nightmare as well. If we got a big order yeah. from someone. Yeah. So, you know, a big order, like I, I always remember we got an order from a shop of, uh, 40 small bags, mm-hmm. uh, 20 ground and 20 whole bean. And so <laughs> I, uh, I brought my, my grinder from my coffee machine at home Gosh. to grind the 20 bags. This is the best day of our lives now. Like this is a, at that <laughs> oh time, this is amazing. And so you had to hold down the button when it was grinding, right? It yeah. didn't just do it itself. And I think it took two and a half no, minutes, no, three and, a half. three and a half minutes per bag of holding it down of 250 grams yeah. oh small bag and we had to do that to get it done and it was and I mean it's, it's great because you learn a lot or there was the time when you kicked over the bucket of roasted coffee after you'd finished roasting it was a cork oh was a cork <laughs> and so you know like like what would be you know now for us like maybe a single batch of coffee like, mm. you know eight nine ten kilos something like that took a long time mm. even when we had the bigger roaster yeah. and yeah a friend of ours came down to we were showing him around and he kicked over a bucket the look on Tom's face, <laughs> you know, so, but it was, it was a great way to learn, you know yeah. what I mean? Like we really kind of built our processes and things from, from kind of, yeah. It was so up. nice getting those kind of orders. And it was 40 I bags, know. but to us, that was massive. Massive, yeah, at the time, because you were small, yeah. Because, you know, we had no, like, you know, we bought the roaster. That was pretty much as far as the plan went. Mm. You know, we got a, a label designed and we bought some bags. And beyond that, we had no real plan <laughs> for anything. So everything kind of happened pretty organically. And, um, mm. you know, now we've, we're much more strategic <laughs> with things. But And were you always like friends or how did that come about? Or are we, are, always are we friends it? now? Yeah. No. Um, so at that point, so we were playing in the same band at that stage for mm-hmm. a good few years. Probably. I'd say we knew we knew each other. Yeah. Five, yeah. six years. Mm-hmm. Around, around the scene. Before that, yeah. You know, you'd arrive at a game like, hey man, <laughs> hey man, you want this game? You know, there's a lot of that. So it was, it was music that brought you together and coffee yeah. has continued on your relationship. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. And like, you know, we, we still play music and everything, but yeah, it was through that. So I, I knew Tom as a sax player. We had the same teacher. I don't think it overlapped, but we both had the same teacher for a certain uh, period of time mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. You know, you just know people around from okay. the scene. Okay. And as I said, I was very into coffee at home. You know, I had my own setup and... Like most of this really comes through um, the Golden Bean uh, market in Shanagari. Mm-hmm. So that's who Tom was working for 
initially and that was they used to have a market stall in Douglas as well mm-hmm. and that's where I first tried specialty coffee before I worked there yeah. that was my first yeah. ever specialty coffee okay. so yeah he was really first in, in Cork I think anyway mm-hmm. him and Brock from Badger and Dodo mm-hmm. were the two first in Cork kind of to do it and so yeah we both kind of came into it through different sides but basically through Mark yeah so it's uh, yeah but, but it was really kind of through music and, and kind of independently we were in the coffee thing and okay. you know with the music stuff there's you know you're always working evenings and weekends and so you know, we were kind of saying, look, it might be nice to do something during the day because, um, you know, I think Tom had his first child at that stage. Mm-hmm. I think myself and my wife were thinking we might, you know, be going that way. And then, you know, with family stuff, it's hard to be away yeah. every night mm-hmm. and, and the weekends and things. And and so, yeah, just kind of fit where we were. I mean, mm-hmm. we were do, at the time, we were probably doing 60, 70 weddings a year. Uh, but, but that wasn't yeah. spaced out over the 12 mm. months. There would be nothing from January yeah. to yeah. April, maybe yeah. May, and then it's all crammed in yeah. into summer, the summer and, and Christmas. So there's weeks you're doing, you know, four, maybe four weddings, mm. yeah. aside from any other pub gigs that yeah. you might do outside of the band. Yeah. And then there's freelance stuff and teaching. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's great. Like, we, I think we enjoyed it, but I think we were yeah. ready to kind of transition to something a bit different. Yeah. You know, but it wasn't like, it wasn't, you know, <laughs> we didn't uh, do up a big business plan and, seek investment and all this. Yeah. Like, yeah, we'll buy a roster and see what happens. You know? Yeah. And hasn't it worked well? Well, yeah, no, yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, to be fair, I don't think any of It's kind yet. of funny looking back, packing and game because we wanted, you know, to not be so tired, but yeah, yeah. we decided to have kids. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're going to ruin that, so. Yeah, yeah. No, that is true. Mm. That is true. But we've lots of coffee, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, you're in the right business now yeah. with the kids, to be fair. Yeah, 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 so. <laughs> Coffee and kids mix, yeah. <laughs> for, yeah, for that, when we were our first son, my wife, you know, she didn't drink any coffee, you know, she was being on, and then, yeah, by the time we were the second, she's like, no, yeah, still, went pregnant, still drinking coffee. Mm. Had to do it, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, it worked, it worked out well. Yeah, it worked out well for that. So you touched into it there. How did you get involved in coffee roasting? In terms of roasting itself, mm. there was very little out there in terms of, you know, I had asked a few places to show me. There was no kind of like apprenticeship or anything. Mm-hmm. So like it mostly from when I was with Golden Bean, I just, I kind of saw the roasting process and I was like, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of just wanted to do it straight away. So yeah, as John said, then we just on the way to the gig decided just to do it together. So, oh, trying to get any information. Thankfully, the roaster we bought, the first one, that company have their own YouTube channel. So Mill City Roasters, the name of the brand, but they have countless videos. So I basically spent nights, like at the time our TV was in the bedroom and my wife would wake up and I, it would be literally one o'clock, two in the morning and I'd be sitting there watching stuff, (laughs) taking notes. And she was just like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, I made a huge mistake. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, and then I can only describe it as like learning to drive, but not actually being in the car. Okay. And you've all this theory of how a car works, how you're supposed to start and stop. And then when we actually got the roaster, I think that was one of the funniest things ever. Everything just went out of my head. It was was about two months from when we ordered it to when it arrived. Okay. And so Tom was, yeah, studying the theory, you know, of driving. It was kind of also pretty much one book. At the time as well, Gosh, yeah. Coffee Roaster's Companion. And that was, that was pretty much but it. Like, you know, I, remember, I always remember, so we first got it in, we got the gas fitted and we got the, the exhausts in and all this. So, you know, Tom had done all the videos. We turned it on. I mean, one thing they don't cover in the videos is that there is an alarm that goes off when it hits a certain temperature. So, okay. you know, if you start temperature, you set it at wherever, when it's 200, you, you know, the alarm goes off. Now, we thought it was about to explode. <laughs> so, it's warming up. We're like, I, you know, I burn his lighting, this alarm goes off. So, yeah, I think... <laughs> So Tom ran to the roaster. The time we went off. We just we just switched everything. Yeah. Off. Oh, the, sorry, the roaster ran outside. Turn off the gas. Okay, we're gonna leave oh, it cool down. Yeah, we're gonna leave it cool down, and then we'll do it again. So turn it on again. Got the same temperature. Beep, beep, beep. 
oh man, yeah. this happened like three times before. We're like, okay, maybe we should ring someone. Yeah. And then and then there was the first batches of coffee. Yeah. So we, 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 we basically <laughs> scraped money together to buy two sacks. Yeah. Uh, two 70 kilo sacks of coffee. And yeah, the first, I'm going to say, oh, I don't know how many batches, maybe 10 batches. Mm-hmm. Pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. I think Tom's underselling how bad they were there. Yeah. That's it. In coffee, you do this thing called cupping, where yeah. some people would do it just to try a coffee or you'll do it to, as a form of QC. So yeah, when we brought into the house, John came down with his wife. My wife was there and we're all excited for our first cupping. And I think, you know, I think maybe looking back, you, you were probably nice about it. Yeah. But I think everyone in the room was like, this isn't very good. I wasn't nice when we left. No, in the car on the way back, I was, no. Um, but, you know, I mean, like, you know, it was always going to be the case. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, it's a learning curve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You can't be brilliant on that situation. Yeah, fair. unfortunately. Yeah, and we knew we had, you know, we knew we had good raw materials. Yeah. We knew the roaster was good. And so it just took a bit of time to, to get it. You know, I, it didn't take that much time. Mm. And I mean, what was great was we had no customers. So, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> there wasn't a... Just yeah. your taste buds. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so it, it, I know I think, yeah, by the time we got, yeah, kind of halfway through that first sack, we were kind of like, it was okay. Mm-hmm. It was servable. Mm-hmm. And obviously it got significantly better than yeah. But yeah, obviously. Was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then again, as John said, that was the good thing about having the roaster that size was that I, I could do so many batches mm. and just try little things here and there. So like, you I just, know, I just yeah, got better like faster. On a bigger roaster, as in you'd end up with maybe 10 kilos of coffee after mm-hmm. you roast. And so there's no chance to tweak it. Mm-hmm. So like in that case, we would have only got seven batches out of that first yeah. sack and then you're like what can you really do with that yeah. and then you're left with all this coffee you have to sell and yeah. you know so it actually was a good way to start yeah and again because it was such a small roaster if there was a batch I wasn't delighted about you know it was only if it was a kilo and maybe 8.6 grams out yeah. so we just give that to some family they, yeah they were yeah. drinking they yeah. were delighted yeah. with it yeah. You know? exactly yeah yeah, um, yeah yeah so yeah there was never any hassle getting rid of okay that. okay <laughs> So you have definitely one of the most eye-catching shop fronts in Clannacilty. My son adores it. Um, how did you develop your brand identity and how do you define yourself? So I think we were kind of thinking consciously when it comes to brand identity. So when we first started, a lot of people think we opened when we painted the shop. Okay. But we opened maybe 10 months before yeah. that and it was kind of olive green. Mm-hmm. And so everything in the shop, you know, and it was the same in the brand on the bags and everything was very much kind of inspired or kind of stolen from kind of, you know, Nordic coffee roasters. And it's all very minimalist and very cool. We're kind of at a moment where we realized, you know, this means nothing to us. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It was inauthentic and it was just, you know, we we're just kind of plagiarizing ideas. So we kind of stood back a bit and we're like, okay, look, let's bring a bit of color in and a bit of just, yeah, a bit of something. Kind just of a bit of fun. Yeah, yeah. just a bit of fun. And so serious and like, boring the way it was. Yeah. <laughs> like the idea with the brand was that, you know, the, the shop front, let's say, um, so we got um, Deirdre Breen, uh, who's an amazing artist in mm. Cork City, to do the design of it. And we kind of gave her no brief. And we just said, look, just do your thing. And it's not tied into our, you know, brand mission statement. Mm. It's just, it looks nice. She's a cool artist. Yeah. And we just wanted something funky. Um, but it's kind of reflective, though, of your personality. Like looking at your website and your shop front, they're kind of cool. Like, you know, I think there is kind of... I feel like that's always kind of been our thing, though. Yeah. Like I said, we, we just want coffee to be 
just a bit more fun. Yeah. And because yeah. everyone's so serious about it. Yeah. Like, There's a lot of know. black and white and a lot of kind of, yeah, you know, very right. here at well, blah, blah, yeah. Casa Roasters, yeah. we strive for equality and mm. like, everyone does. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We do. But, and we do, but I think people just get a bit bored reading that over. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, you know, at the end of the day, a shop front that kind of jumps out a bit is, is a good thing, you know, and, mm. uh, you know, our, our, you know, we like we work with our normal designer, uh, Jamie Hanran, who does our bags and mm. and all that. And like, I don't think that our, you know, our logo text or our bag labels and the shop particularly tied together. Mm-hmm. That's OK. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's you know, it's I think, you know, sometimes you have the, you know, like the Nike, the swoosh or the Coca-Cola thing mm-hmm. where it's a single thing that goes all the way across the brand. And I think, you know, for us, it's more like, look, if we like it, it's going to be part of our brand. Yeah. Yeah. And did you get much of a reaction from like other businesses and the people around town to, to the shop front? Well, it's, it's funny with the shop front. At the time, we thought we were being very kind of original and different. Right? Yeah. And then we have a regular who comes in whose dad was on the town council years ago. Mm. And he, when he saw the shop the first time, he was like, oh yeah, sweet shop. <laughs> and I was like, what? what are you talking about? So he said, oh, I'll come, I'll come back tomorrow and bring a picture. So he came back, yeah. brought a picture of a sweet shop that apparently used to be up by the church it was kind of very isometric multicolor so yeah a few people have actually commented on that really yeah it was a nice throwback in that sense but But, you know like it's i just find it you know sometimes people are like oh how did you come up with this like you know we didn't like dirge was great we got her to do (laughs) and like you know like we're we're getting her to do something else for us at the Mm. moment and she's saying oh do you want to have a chat about what to do i'm like no like, you know what you're doing. Yeah. You just, just give you're, it to us. You're good at what you do, so you just do it. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. like, yeah. And, and that's the thing. I think it's, it doesn't have to tie into a brand vision of this. It's just a cool thing in and of itself. And, yeah. You know, and that's okay. You know? And it's quite striking. Well, yeah, well, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I hope so. Oh, it helped massively. Yeah. Because we were so quiet when we first opened here. It's not gas, isn't it? How little things Or like are. our friends, we'd see our friends walking past the window looking for us, you know. <laughs> no, you can't miss it. And, uh, yeah. Like, and it was great when it was first painted. There was so many people taking yeah. pictures of it. It's and so people cool. still do. And it's, yeah. that's always really nice to see. A couple of comments about, you know, because it's a very, very old building. It was, mm-hmm. I think it was, it predates most of the other stuff in the street. I'm okay. not sure. You know, a couple of people were saying, you know, it's, I suppose, not a traditional kind of a thing. But, I mean, you know, it's just paint. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, yeah. it could be stripped off. It had yeah. to be, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, but, like, I, I think just before we kind of committed to doing it as well, coffee was very much kind of in this sort of, you know, you see it a lot in London and places where like, there's no sign, you know, it's not even painted. Like you should just know. Or like, oh. Too cool for Yeah, good. you know, and it's like at the end of the day, you know, the product in the cup is of the same quality in, in a very good trendy place or mm. a place that's more colorful and more vibrant. Yeah. And so, you know, it doesn't matter. Okay. You know, it's okay, okay. to move, move beyond that and have it something that's just a bit more okay. inviting, you know. And how and where do you source your beans? So we get the bulk of our stuff from two different importers. Mm-hmm. One is Falcon over in the UK and the other is Green Coffee Imports. They're an Irish company mm-hmm. and so they're based up in Dublin. So we currently get all our Brazilians, Central Americans from Green Coffee uh, Imports and then we get other bits then from Falcon. Okay. Um, so yeah, we a pretty good relationship with both of them. We even with Falcon from day one and then Green Coffee Imports, uh, Keith got onto us maybe, I'm going to say three years ago. Yeah. And um, we've been using him since. He's been great. Really, really good. And has Brexit affected the importing? Yeah, well, so yeah, when that kicked in, a lot of companies in the UK, like Falcon, uh, just opened up warehouses in Antwerp, okay. in Belgium, so they could ship from there. But any stock they brought across just wasn't as good as the stock they'd have in their English warehouse. So there was there was a good 
two years, mm -hmm. I'd say, of just not having an amazing option of mm -hmm. coffee. It's like the quality was still really good, but mm. there just wasn't as much of a selection. Okay. So that, that was a bit annoying. And then thankfully, that's kind of when Keith came in then and started, yeah, kind of offering yeah, other options. Okay. So. I think I think the breakfast stuff was more of an issue as well for the kind of um, maybe machinery or brewing equipment mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we're getting emails from, you know, guys who might do like aeropresses or that kind of thing and saying, it's like, oh, look, you have to fill out all these forms and it's going to be more expensive and you have to like do the that and this at the other. But, you know, we, we still got stuff and it's like, well, no, <laughs> like, you know, because you can get them from anywhere. You yeah, know? yeah. Like and there's some there's some companies that will only do they have. It was always set up as UK and Ireland distribution. And so we still have to go through it. And it's just, just a disaster, like, yeah. you know, and it's usually just kind of led to us just as they're finding someone else or just not carrying the stuff because mm. you know like it's just not enough of our business it's kind of not important enough to what we do to, okay. to deal with it okay. like one big advantage with the green coffee is that you know there's no vat on it because it's a raw material and mm -hmm. all that so that's one thing at least we didn't have to deal with all yeah. that but as, as it didn't affect us hugely but like for example on our website now we don't we don't really ship stuff to the uk just because yeah. you know that's a shame like, like yeah. it wouldn't have been a big part of our business and mm. if it was you know there's plenty of roasters around who do and they're looking to grow into that market but for us it's just like no yeah, they just made it a bit too awkward for us. Too much hassle yeah. for, for, yeah. yeah for, you know, two or three packages a month. It's just, yeah, yeah, not worth it. Okay, okay. And has climate change affected your sourcing business model and procurement? It has a little bit. Okay. I think if we were, or maybe for much bigger roasteries, mm -hmm. it's probably a bit more of, a, of an issue. Mm -hmm. But for us in the size we're at currently, um, so I think Brazil was the worst one for sure. Okay. Because they got hit with the frost a couple mm -hmm. of years back which cut down massively on, mm. on what was available. So all that meant was that obviously prices just skyrocketed. Yeah. So the price we were paying for Brazilians when we first started compared to what we're paying now is, is insane. Gosh. And I think because farmers can see that's what they can because mm. like the demand is there. Yeah. It's like it will drop, but mm. probably not by much. Mm -hmm. And then there was other countries that weren't really getting affected, kind of peering over at Brazil mm. being like, oh, well, they're getting very good prices. Mm. That's kind of up wars <laughs> a little bit. Now, you could argue that's probably a good thing. Farmers have always been underpaid mm -hmm. for the coffee, even with specialty. Mm. So you could argue, yeah, maybe it's a good thing okay. finally for farmers. Like but like, yeah. <laughs> now, I don't want to get too doom and gloom, yeah. but it, it is going to get worse. Yeah. And, and yeah, but I think let's cross that bridge when we come to it. Let's just keep on drinking coffee now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And how would you describe the flavor profile of your coffee and individual coffee varieties? I think we finally know what we want. Uh, in terms of our selection, uh, we seem to like washed Central Americans, natural Brazilians, and maybe the kind of odd natural Ethiopian mm -hmm. or African kind of coffees. I think that's generally where we're at now. So I always describe it this way. I think it's probably a handy one if for someone who's in, who kind of wants to get into coffee, but isn't sure which origin to go for or processing. I usually say Brazil, mm -hmm. typically speaking, it's natural or pulp natural, kind of chocolatey, nutty. Nice body, nothing too out there flavor wise, maybe a little bit of acidity depending mm. on how it's roasted. Uh, Central Americans, caramelly, sweet, bit of stone fruit, a little bit more interesting than in Brazil. Okay. And then your Africans, like your Ethiopians, you've got some very, very tea-like mm. coffees, um, floral, fruity, mm. like lavender and blueberry and all these crazy And is there flavors. a big difference between them, you know, in terms of say Ethiopian and Brazilian, would there be a big difference? I think it's safe to say Ethiopians, they're just not for everyone. And yeah. that, that's why Brazil is always going to be so popular because yeah. it's such a crowd pleaser coffee. Mm. It works for most people. Mm. 
sometimes I would say if you don't like Brazil, let's say with specialty coffee, if you don't like Brazil, you might not like an Ethiopian. Okay. Because if you're looking for something that's traditionally, you know, again, chocolate nutty, Ethiopians are just so, so different okay. to that. But again, like you meet the odd person who just love it. They mm. love that it, mm. it doesn't taste like a traditional okay. coffee. There's just a bit, something more exciting going on. But I think for us as well, uh, there was kind of a, a period where it's about kind of working out what, what we actually want to offer people, mm-hmm. you know, because you can obviously, you know, you can, it can be a race to the bottom to have, you know, really cheap coffee and, and you know, mm. look, fair enough, that works for a lot of people. But, you know, you can also go a bit extreme in terms of kind of maybe really fermented or really expensive kind of experimental processes or, you know, and you can have, you know, a small bag of coffee that could be 40 or 50 quid. And, and we also said, you know what, that's not really for the kind of people we are working with in shops and, and our customers in our own shop. Mm-hmm. They aren't really into that either. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. there's kind of a sweet spot where especially the Central Americans that we generally go for. Yeah, that's the best reflection of coffee I like to drink. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, again, I think that's all you can really do. You know, okay. I said there's a big trend at the moment towards super fermented, you know, all these different processes and and, you know, there's a lot of additives as well. Like, mm. the, you know, they're adding certain bacteria to speed up fermentation. And I don't know, it's, go- mm. it's going a little bit far away from the point, which is that you taste the origin and the, yeah. you know, obviously some of the process. But you know what I mean? That it's, you know, a uh, fruit at the mm. end of the day and that you're kind of trying to respect it as much as you can. Yeah, but. yeah. there's definitely certain coffees, again, anaerobic or types of fermentation coffees where you're, you're just tasting the process. Mm. You're not actually tasting the yeah. coffee itself. Okay. Okay. It, because it's so overpowering. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, when you're, when you're cupping, you know, if you've got five coffees on the table and one of them is like that, it stands out, it blows the others away because okay. it's super strong. And everyone thinks, oh, wow, yeah. that's an incredible coffee. Yeah. It's like, no, it's just that it's so different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, like I was saying, you might not, if you're cupping for, you know, for sourcing reasons, maybe don't have five or six Brazilians and then an Ethiopian yeah. because yeah. it's going to, yeah. it, it, it might be a little disappointing mm. tasting because yeah. mm. you're like, wow, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's so different, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And like, so in terms of the, you know, the amounts we get of each one and which type of ones we get, yeah, you know, I think we're in a good place now in terms of, well, our customers will generally mm-hmm. kind of like this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so like people who, who might be buying from the website or, you know, who might have subscriptions on the website, mm-hmm. you know, they have a general sense of kind of what they like. And so they seem to like what we do. And mm-hmm. so you're conscious of not going too far out. I mean, you know, you can get one in and, you know, otherwise you say, look, this one's a bit out there. Like we've had a couple of anaerobic coffees, mm-hmm. but, but I, I would say we've got, we've definitely gotten better at finding a coffee let's say that we like and actually asking ourselves, okay, will our customers yeah. like this? Sometimes, yeah, I think we've made the right call and they wouldn't have liked yeah. it, you know? Yeah. I would even say that's currently the way it is with okay. some Rwandans. It just generally doesn't sell very well okay. for us. Mm-hmm. So we kind of stop sourcing them. Like we, I think we do have them every now and then, but in, in general, yeah, that, that was an origin that didn't move too much for okay. us. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we've had quite a bit of it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just, it's yeah. never, yeah. So it's one of okay. the things. Okay. What is your business ethos? So... I think it's kind of twofold. I think in general, you know, the business we have as owners of the shop mm-hmm. and what we kind of do there. And then as a wholesale business kind of supplying other cafes. Now, mm-hmm. I think, I think there's, a, there's a kind of a big overlap, but I think a lot of times people who do what we do can get caught up in the product mm-hmm. and that it's all about what's in the cup and the quality of it. But actually, I think really what, what's important is when people come into the shop what experience they have and, you know, do you kind of make them feel good? Mm-hmm. You know, is it a memorable experience? And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's for a hundred reasons. It's not just the coffee, it's mm-hmm. part of it. And I think on the wholesale side, it's, it's the same in that, you know, we can, we, we got on great with all the people we, we work with on mm-hmm. that side. I think some roasters just want to work with, you know, the best places with all the best equipment. I think we're more interested in kind of working with good people 
and people who kind of, as I said, you go in and there's kind of warmth mm-hmm. and that whatever type of place it is, because, you know, we work in lots of different places, that it's just a memorable experience, okay. you know. Like at the end of the day, I think it's easy to forget sometimes, you know, we're just a supplier, mm-hmm. you know, like the milkman or the guy who delivers the bread. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. kind of no different. And it, like it, within our sphere, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, you know, we do this, we do that. And it's like at the end of the day, we deliver a product. Like, you know what I mean? We, we make it, we deliver it. But our job really on that side of it is to enable them to make a memorable experience for their customers. Yeah. And so I think a lot of that comes down to, you know, training and, and stuff like that. If they want to learn a bit more about the coffee and just make them a bit more comfortable and confident with it. Okay. But that's in service of a kind of a greater goal, which is that they have a, a good, you know, a good time. So there. it's, it's really about kind of a customer focus approach. See, I, I think so. Yeah. 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 You know, and certainly here, you know, like stuff like the aesthetic and the music, everyone's friendly. Like we've, we've said before, a lot of times we'd much rather have people working, say in our shop who are friendly mm-hmm. and we can teach them about coffee mm-hmm. rather than, you know, you do see like so, you know, some shops have this real, you know, we only get the best people. It's like, yeah, but sometimes they're not very nice yes. in terms of, you know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> you know, like, but it's much easier to train someone to make coffee than it is to train somebody to Be change nice. their personality, yeah. you know? Exactly. Good point. You know? Yeah. But, like, but especially here, you know, if we were, um, you know, in Dublin or, or London or, or these places, there are certain shops where it's almost, they celebrate the fact that they're rude to everyone mm. and in Berlin and all these places. But, you know, we're in clinical guilty. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's, oh, most of our business is consistently local people, mm. you mm-hmm. know, and obviously it's tourists here, but it's mostly locals mm. and, and regulars. And so, you know, if we start getting all high and mighty, you know, they'll be, well, they'll tell us. Yeah, And they won't be back, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, so I think it, it just, it's just much more natural that way, okay. you know, that, you know, and, and a healthy kind of ability to remember that you know we're not we're not changing the world that we're just you know what I mean that yeah 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 but like I think coming you know coming in for a coffee like as it's not changing the world but it you have a choice it can be you know a kind of a a little high point in someone's day or Mm. it can just be a disappointing experience Mm, mm. and and I think that a lot of things add up to that but that's that's kind of what matters to us is that obviously that the product is is great and really well made but that's that's our responsibility mm-hmm. you know what i mean i like going on about it i don't understand yeah, i mean if you look at most of our customers wholesale wise i mean they use the coffee because they like it and it's a good product but in most cases our service is actually you know helping them out because their grinder stopped working yeah. or yeah. you know the machine needs to be reprogrammed or they've got five new staff members who know they mm-hmm. know how to make coffee mm-hmm. and they need to train in asap yeah you know that's where i think we come in so yeah. yeah i think coming back to being so focused on just the product it's not going to get you very far and I, yeah I, we went to talk in 3fe when we first started and there was a guy there james hoffman who owns square mile mm-hmm. over in the uk but he said one thing that just stuck with me since then it was like quality doesn't mean success so if you're just focused on the product mm. and having the quality so good, there's so many more things that we do mm. as a coffee roastery. Like I said, you know, changing grinders or, you know, helping out with gear or training. There's just so much more, yeah. not just coffee. You know? I suppose it's like it's almost expected that the quality would be good yeah. and yeah. that your yeah, yeah. aim, your yeah. focus is on making sure that the yeah. customer aspect of your business is, yeah. is good. Yeah. Yeah. And like we said it before, you know, the standard has gotten so good. Everyone's mm. roasting pretty good coffee mm. now, yeah. you know. Um, no, that was much different 12, 15 years ago, yeah. Yeah. you know, when you pretty much had three FE and Padre and Dodo and yeah. they're the kind of only guys, but now there's so many more. So yeah, the standard has gotten so much better. So you have to be able to offer something more, a bit more. And that, yeah. but, but also as well, I think this is kind of the, the personal thing of some people maybe want to start somewhere and they're saying, oh, you know, maybe what equipment should we get? It's very easy to say, oh, you should spend 20,000 euros and all these things. But, you know, you have to understand that that's not feasible. Mm. And also day one, the sales that they'll have 
won't at all reflect that they've spent that much money. Yeah. So sometimes they're you know, starting on you know terrible equipment and you know you're training them up on that and and with you know the plan being that at a certain point they get to a certain level and then maybe they get more you know what I mean and yeah. that kind of way and we've we've seen that a lot with people who've kind of we feel like kind of grown with us. Okay, that's always been a great feeling. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 You know that's a nice one that it's not about looking for people who are um you know the absolute finished product and have all this amazing stuff and no we're kind of more looking for people as I said where there's a bit of a a bit of a heart or a bit of a mm. kind of a kind of a vision and and it's funny because it's it's a lot of times it's the people who surprise you who actually end up doing an amazing job and, yeah you know it's it's not the trendy guys with the mm. you know i bet you enjoy it more as a result <laughs> yeah i think so yeah. yeah yeah and it purely depends on where you're serving like, mm. or supplying to sorry like if you know if it's just a cafe obviously you'd like them to be very much focused on the mm. coffee but we supply restaurants mm. and coffee isn't the main thing yeah. and that's the thing we've kind of had to yeah stand back and go okay stop kind yeah. of <laughs> getting obsessed about this yeah. you know coffee is just kind of an afterthought for yeah. them it's all yeah. about the food because yeah. that's their passion mm. but you know just just coming back to working with people that you know have to start off somewhere but they might not have the crazy budget i mean we understand that because that's exactly the same position we, we were in yeah. when yeah. we opened yeah. the shop yeah. here you know yeah. we had yeah. no money yeah. and we had to buy second hand gear mm. and it would have been great to start with but at the end of the like i actually look at it as a as a good thing in the sense that like you know when you're working with slightly more challenging equipment you've no choice but to work on your technique mm. and kind of understand it mm -hmm. and then when you bring that up to higher spec equipment you still have the technique so it, it ends up in a great result but as i said there's a lot of customers we have who do amazing work on stuff that you know, maybe other roasters would say they just throw in the bin. Mm. And it's just, no, I think it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's very satisfying to work with people like that. You know? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And has there been a change in the flavor profile of coffee over the years? And does that align with the way things have gone internationally? Has there been change? I would say the quality of what comes out, like you can get more processes, more varieties mm -hmm. available mm -hmm. than there used to be. Yeah. So yeah, just coming back to the anaerobic thing that obviously just mm. skyrocketed and okay. everyone seemed to be drinking that. But I, I feel like that's kind of fallen to the wayside a little bit. It doesn't seem oh, to be know. as prominent. Maybe it's, I'm wrong. Yeah. But it, it depends on the part of the industry. I, I, I'm coming from looking at, you know, what's available yeah. on offer lists from mm. importers. There seems to be less and less mm. anaerobic stuff. Yeah, I think it, it might almost be a little bit of a fragmentation in it, a okay. little bit that... Some farms, you know, smaller farms are focusing just on those really expensive lots and some roasters love that kind of thing. And then maybe the rest of us are coming back towards a more like a very clean washed coffee mm -hmm. where it's a very pure. Um, Which I think people will always come back to. Yeah. 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 And, and again, with this anaerobics, yeah. it seems like it's just going to do a circle. Something else, like will, a trend, yeah. something else yeah. will probably come in. Everyone will get obsessed about it and then just come back to a nice, clean, sweet. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Like what's really interesting is just how strong and, and distinctive they are, but also how kind of undrinkable they are. I don't think I've ever finished a cup of them. Yeah. And I mean, like, this, like I mean, this, yeah, I've definitely had expensive. one or two that you go, that's very cool. Mm. That's it's so different. But then you have to ask yourself, do I want to drink this at nine o'clock in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, or yeah, drink it yeah. at eight o'clock when I'm trying to run out the door and mm. get kids to school. Mm. Mm. It's not what you no. want to drink. Okay. You know? okay. And I mean, as you know, as you know, roasters and wholesale roasters, you know, then you have to consider, okay, do their customers in Middleton or in the city or mm. wherever, do they want that? Mm. They definitely don't. So you have to be careful. No, but that's it. It's, it's interesting. Like once, literally once we tried a, um, a species of coffee called uh, Eugenoides, mm -hmm. which is, you see a lot in competitions mm -hmm. now. 
incredibly low yield, incredibly expensive, mm-hmm. like incredibly expensive. Mm. And someone brought some into us like we didn't have it ourselves. And most incredible thing I've ever tasted. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, yeah, astounding. Blew my mind. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, it's not wow. that it's not that we're, you know, anti-innovation or mm. anti-expensive coffees. I suppose it's more if everything could be made to taste like that, it would change the entire industry. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. it's kind of, yeah, it's just. Just there are depends. things out there yeah yeah, yeah, okay, yeah okay and like we still keep tasting stuff but i mean as i said i like we bought one we tried one from another roaster uh last around christmas time maybe a year and a half ago it's basically three cups of coffee in it so it measured mm. 18 gram three things and it was 52 euros i think it was something like that yeah so just for three cups uh didn't finish i gave away the last one <laughs> uh, yeah we made two and didn't finish them like mm. again no it like smelled amazing incredibly strong incredibly distinctive and lots going on but mm. yeah, didn't, want, didn't want to finish it okay. you know so yeah it's just it's funny you yeah, know yeah. yeah okay and there are many coffee roasting companies out there how would you describe the market is it collaborative competitive i would say we're actually quite lucky where we are okay if we were in dublin now mm. that is a, a much different yeah. story you couldn't really say it's collaborative mm-hmm. But <laughs> I think it's less combative than it is in Dublin or okay. other places like that. Like, you know, in real terms, there's not that many coffee roasters around Cork, let's say. Mm. And we don't really go after each other's customers. Mm. Like that kind of thing doesn't really happen in Dublin. That's, that's nonstop. Okay. So like there's really limited scope for how we could collaborate. Mm. You know, if you're ordering certain stuff, you could kind of, you know, pull it together. I mean, we've done a small bit of that with, with people like we, I mean... We've always kind of gone out of our way to try to make contact with other roasters mm-hmm. um, all over Ireland. Like, you know, we visited loads of other roasteries and we've always reached out to people and it never seems to come back. Not, not to us, but in mm-hmm. general, it just doesn't seem to be a thing that happens. Okay. That's okay. okay. Everyone's kind of doing their own thing. Yeah. We kind of, if we're going somewhere, we email ahead and just sort of appear. And, <laughs> you know. and, like, and the fun thing is like, you know, it's always a nice time yeah. when we pop up, but they're it's all, always nice. Yeah. yeah. But they're, yeah. they're always, yeah. It often starts off slightly defensively kind yeah. of protectively there's a bit yeah. of that like you know yeah. yeah i feel like we kind of made a point of going to meet roasteries yeah because again when we started it was just so closed off yeah. no yeah. one like no one would answer no a question want, about roasting yeah really? no one wanted to discuss anything roasted with and i found that so frustrating yeah. as someone who wanted to learn and and like as, as we kind of said before this uh briefly you, you know it's nice to chat with other businesses mm. and see where they're at how yeah. they yeah. Yeah. So, you know if obviously if they're happy to talk mm. about it mm. Yeah. Mm. we don't pry that information out of them yeah. but yes it's nice to see how people yeah. run their business yeah. as well. and I suppose it's funny I mean we never thought of it at the time but really you know music is very collaborative mm. it kind of has to be mm. and like you know if someone else has a gig if you kind of rock up with your instrument in a case you could probably end up on stage yeah. you know? <laughs> and, and it's, it's only when you kind of come to the other side like oh that doesn't happen everywhere no, at all yeah, you know? yeah. but I, I'd say we have been pretty collaborative I mean, yeah. we've you know Ferg from Roaster Brown we've bought some coffee from him mm. we've a pretty good relationship i'd say with three fools here in court mm. i think we've kind of agreed that if there's an issue with roasters you know we could use theirs or they mm. could use ours mm-hmm. if they were stuck mm. you know that kind of thing that's oh, yeah, well, yeah because again as a roastery it's good to have contacts like mm. that i mm. mean if you're doing a certain amount of batches per week and your roaster packs up mm. you know that's when things yeah. start getting yeah. scary because yeah. if you haven't roasted ahead or you know, like our roaster, for example, sorry, our first roaster was from the States. Mm. So like, there was two or three occasions where stuff had gone wrong and mm. there was a the time difference just to get onto them. The shipping, obviously, that mm. took a good few days. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's definitely good having contacts like yeah. that. And have trends like cold brews affected your approach to roasting? 
I would say no. 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 You roast the way you roast. That's yeah, it. Yeah, we roast the way we want to. And <laughs> how, how we like our yeah. coffee. It would be more if we were, no, we don't do Goldberg, but if we yeah. did, mm-hmm. we'd kind of choose which coffee to use mm-hmm. rather than to roast a coffee specifically for it. Okay. So yeah. like, for, yeah. for especially for a cold coffee, it can be nice to have something a little bit more acidic so mm-hmm. you can cut through a bit more. Mm. But similarly, like for just regular iced coffees and stuff like that, at the moment we're, we're collaborating with um, Foxglove, you know, they do cocktail oh, uh, yeah. mixers and stuff there. They're, they're down in Baltimore. And so we're doing a salted caramel kind of syrup with them. We're trying that for some of the iced okay. coffees and things mm. like that. Rather than, so yeah, rather than kind of changing the whole production process and, and which copies we get, it would be more kind of tweaking out things like okay. that. Okay. Or the, the Aerocano is another one. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Which is kind of an aerated iced, iced Americano. Americano. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it looks like a Guinness, uh, but you know, again, the coffee element mm. is the same, but mm. it's kind of more of a technique thing on the other side, you know. So or, you leave the roasting process the same. Yeah. 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 Like Dom, who, who roasts for us in the, um, in the roastery, he's quite particular about what he wants from each coffee. You know, he tests everything, cups everything. We do a lot of analysis on the green coffee, on the roasted coffee, to mm-hmm. check the color and check the moisture and everything. And so when he gets it where he wants it, it's more about repeating that consistently. Mm-hmm. You know, so, some roasters do change the profiles for filter or for espresso. I've never seen huge value in that okay. personally. Like, mm-hmm. so we're, we do what's called omni roasting, you know, cause it's one way for, for, for everything. Some people kind of consider that a, a bad word, but it's like, you know, the, our thoughts would be, well, actually there's a, an ideal way that this coffee should be roasted mm. and that's the way we roast it. Mm. And that everything else is a brewing issue rather yeah, than okay. a roasting issue. But that's yeah. it. People have different opinions. Okay. So it's okay. And do you find your sales are affected by seasonal factors? For example, has the recent good weather impacted you and, do customers favor lighter profiles of the summer? I would say no, mm. but iced coffees for sure. Yeah, mm. like in the in the shop, let's say, it's yeah, just, we, we sell way more iced, yeah. and we sell way fewer hot chocolates, okay. and then that just flips around. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. a seasonal, yeah. Just yeah. Much, yeah. those small things. So yeah. such, yeah. Um, and then like in terms of our our wholesale, you know, it does, you know, people's numbers change seasonally, but you know, that's more just based on where they are. Yeah, more, okay. more so than anything else. Kind of, yeah, like we have a lot of people, you know, in West Cork who are in more touristy places. Mm. They usually get bigger. A lot of them don't even open in the winter. Okay. You know, and then the city places might get a little bit quieter. But yeah, yeah but in terms of, let's say, what actually happens with the coffee, you know, it's just kind of, it's more, yeah, regular seasonal okay. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you would have to pick your favorite coffee, what would it be and why? Hmm, our favorite one that we currently have or just a coffee? Favorite one mm. ever. <laughs> Well, we can't include the huge United no, that, that's, that's not really fair. I think it's like 500 euros a kilo or something. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It's, it's, yeah. You couldn't get it even over yeah, yeah. So that's not Your really favorite fair. regular. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with one that you could like, again, drink every day. Mm-hmm. I, personally, I like to drink a flat white. Right? Okay. That's my, you know, my, my favorite type of drink. It was the first kind of one I had when I was getting like especially coffee. Bean, as in like <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. But I'm saying, I'm saying a flat white mm. made with a natural... Would you let me answer the question? Yes, the natural coffee from El Salvador. Oh, Oh, you knew each other so Currently on our website, no. Um, (laughs) But yeah, probably something like that, or else maybe kind of a red honey Costa Rican, similar kind of a thing. Mm. But yeah, so something that's maybe a little bit, yeah, it's like a natural process. You get a slightly kind of boozy thing, Mm. small bit of acidity uh, in a flat white. Yeah, lovely. Six ounce flat white, very important. Not an eight ounce. Okay. um, (laughs) That's my answer here. I kind of flip between... Six cents Americanos and flat whites. But I would say a natural, a boozy, natural Ethiopian. Some, some, sometimes they work very well with milk. What's this sometimes boozy, they what's don't. What's this boozy mean? Sorry. It's just this kind of... Like a you know, Black Forest Gatto, kind of a oh, fruity okay. oh, type yeah. of thing. Kind of a, yeah, that sort of thing. But you see, it's funny because if you'd asked that question, you know, a few years ago, as a roaster, Tom would have felt obliged to say a filter coffee. <laughs> uh, like genuinely, like, you know, and 
you know, if you're asking other words, I bet they all say filter coffee. But actually, it's, you know, we're kind of like, it's okay if the answer is a milky. Yeah. You know, and it's weird. It's funny to get to the point where you're like, actually, that's okay. I, I feel you know, comfortable with saying yeah, that. Yeah, you know what I mean? And that, you know, especially because, you know, that's what we sell the most of is yeah. white coffee. So mm. why, would I, why would I not drink white yeah. coffees? You know? Yeah, yeah. The US comedian Dennis Leary derided the shift away from coffee flavored coffee in his sets. Is adding a syrup or flavoring to your coffee akin to adding a mixer to a top shelf whiskey? I mean, look, we do have syrups as of last week. One syrup. <laughs> One syrup. syrup, sorry. We used to be very, very much no. Okay. With syrups. And our thinking was, well, we're spending like a lot more on this green coffee mm. than other places would. Why would you ruin it? Mask it, yeah. Completely mask it. And look, I think that's the beauty of what we do is we are coming at it from both sides mm -hmm. as a roastery. And as a cafe, mm -hmm. I think some roasteries only think of, again, the coffee yeah. and not actually the day-to-day -day interactions with customers. Mm. Our customers want a syrup. And I'm going to say, it, I have to agree with them. I, I normally wouldn't have had mm. an iced coffee. And I, we had two last week. <laughs> My first uh, iced coffee with syrup with, last week. Yeah, with yeah, first with one very ever. good coffee. And it was just a bit underwhelming. Mm. It was a little bit bitter. The coldness brings out this kind of bitterness to yeah. it. And actually... Oh, sorry. That, that, that was without the syrup. Sorry. Sorry, yeah, sorry yeah, we tried the syrup. Mm. And so then we tried one with, and honestly, it, yeah, it was a lot better. Okay. I'm going to say it. But also, you know, we make, um, you know, we serve mochas, which yeah. is, you know, we use the O'Connell's chocolate with the coffee. And it's like, why is there a difference? Yeah. You know, I mean, some people would say adding milk to coffee is the same thing. We do yeah. that too. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's like we said, our, our ethos is really more about kind of giving people what they want. And look, you know, when we first opened, like it was the two of us working in the shop all the time. I had plenty of arguments with people about putting sugar in their coffee. You know, like the other thing is you can make your point and mm -hmm. you can suggest, you know, maybe it would be nicer or whatever if you didn't. Mm. But like at the end of the day, it's their choice. People are going to like what they like. And it's just such yeah. a weird thing that some places do. And it's, they're basically saying your taste buds are wrong. But also like it's funny. Like, the top, that's just like, a weird thing to yeah. like. And the top shelf whiskey thing is interesting because, you know, Jameson don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? If they sell you a Middleton, whatever, 50 year old. Yeah. Do what it, you like, want with it. Like, you know, imagine a label on the back. Like, oh, don't mix it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, as you said, you're coming back to what you said earlier. You are very much focused on the customer if the customer wants it. Well, well, that's it. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We do. Um, we do try. It's no, funny. we do dark roast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> no. Yeah. 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 But you see, we wouldn't <laughs> drink that. So yeah. it's no. fair enough. You yeah, know? yeah. But I got my dad. Um, I think it was for his 40s. It was 50th. He got someone got him a, a Middleton, like, you know, some very old whatever one. And he didn't open it for ages. And then um, I remember my sister saying to him that, uh, you know, if you don't open it, we're just going to drink it at your funeral with Coke. So like, <laughs> you know, get on with it. Like. And, uh, and I think there's a trick to that. Like, you know, it's like you can't control everything, especially as wholesalers. If yeah. we just at our shop, you can control everything. And like, this is a shop in Dublin and I'm, I've never been there. I'm sure the coffee there is amazing. Mm. They have this machine to like check the temperature and the, the percentage of kind of extraction of each coffee mm. and all this. And genuinely, I'm sure the coffee there is amazing. You know, they wouldn't give you a syrup and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like we work with lots of people who are um, maybe in like horse boxes or mm. restaurants, mm. pubs and things like that. And so like the reality of their environment is so different mm -hmm. and that, you know, you're making this big point of, oh, don't do this with that. No, their customers want to do it. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like this place is over in, is it Germany? And this is where they just don't have any sugar at all. And yeah. you just can't get it. And like, it, that's just such a weird thing. Imagine, you know, having no sleep because kids are crying. You wake up 
really bad mood. Mm. You just want to get a coffee. Yeah. You don't want to talk to anyone. Yeah. You want to get your coffee and you want your two sugars. <laughs> and imagine being told no by someone behind the counter. Oh, yeah. actually here we don't do that. Yeah. It's like, just yeah. shut up. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like that, that was in Berlin. I'm yeah. giving you my 350 yeah. or 380. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. just yeah, you're, you're paying more yeah. for the honor of not being allowed. Like <laughs> when we were in, um, in the barn in Berlin, um, they're especially roast room. Very good coffee, of course. I was there with my wife. So we ordered a flat white and an Americano. To make the coffee, she asked for a milk for the Americano. Mm. No, like, oh, sorry, no. And then eventually, after a bit of to and fro, you know, she got night. So she, she was arguing with them. They gave her uh, milk, but they charged her 50 cents for it and they wouldn't give her cold milk. They were literally like, absolutely not. We'll heat it up and you have to pay extra. But yeah, but this is the same place, you know, that <laughs> there was a staff member um, who she was German, but she'd actually lived in Ireland for a okay. couple of years. And so we were outside on a different day and she came outside to cry. Uh, no, this is, I tell you, this. Yeah, no, she came outside to cry and she was, and we were like, oh, are you okay? And she lived in Cork. It was very random. And she was like, everyone's just so mean. <laughs> and she's saying every interaction is just, they're just waiting to have to give out to people. And oh, she yeah. said she missed being in Ireland so much. Oh gosh. You know? <laughs> and like, you know, the product there, you know, top-notch product. Yeah, it was yeah. great coffee, but it's not the point, is it? Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. And look, I think, you know, there is times when you can do that if you're, you know, if you're a Michelin star chef mm-hmm. and you're controlling everything, it's massive money, I think, and someone asks for ketchup, I think it's fair enough. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? It's yeah, like yeah, you're yeah. able to say, look, no, not here. Yeah, yeah. But what we do isn't that. Yeah. And as I said, I think a lot of it comes down to what's our responsibility and what's the customer's kind of responsibility. Yeah, yeah. You know, ours is to deal with our stuff ourselves mm-hmm. and kind of make it as good as we can. And maybe that includes something that they want. You know? yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Good point. Well, John and Tom, thank you so much for chatting us today on the Cork Creative Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Stone Valley Coffee Roasters, you can find links to their website and social media on corkcreative.ie.